0: good morning, good morning. For those of you in the house, good morning. For those of you watching online from wherever, I mean, we have Alaska watching this morning. I know New Hampshire tunes in, Tenasket, Washington, Renton, Washington. Gary, you're probably watching, drinking your tea right now, so Renton, Washington tunes in. I heard even Kent watches, so sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Kent is in the house this morning, so that's good, that's really good. Well, hey, it's Christmas time. Stating the obvious, right? It's Christmas time. And I, I have a question for you, much like I do, because I'm a survey guy, right? So, favorite Christmas movie? <laughs> 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 I did not expect that to be the first one to be shouted out. Okay, so I'm going to sidetrack just for a moment, okay? Just for a moment. Because I said favorite Christmas movie, and the first name shouted out was Die Hard, okay? <laughs> Survey is, well, some of you have never seen Die Hard. Raise your hand if you've never seen the movie Die Hard. Okay, there you go. You're probably better off for it. Anyways, um, <laughs> watch the TV version. It's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> some of you are shrugging your shoulders. So is Die Hard really a Christmas movie? No? I'm going to look at the queen of Christmas, and she says no this morning. Okay? But I am getting a lot of nods, yes. Oh, I saw, I saw that nod. I see that nod. There's going to be a little dispute later on in the house, so we'll be, uh, we'll be watching that with anticipation, actually. So favorite Christmas movies? Why Christmas? Elf? Yes. The Christmas Story. It's a Wonderful Life. I started watching that this week. Yes, The Christmas Story. Anybody else? Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol. I have not seen that one. Who's, who's Scrooge in that? Is it the little guy with the bent nose? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Any other favorite Christmas movies? The one with Jim Carrey in it? Oh, the cartoon one. Okay. Okay. That is old. That's three years old. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay. Any others? Cody, favorite Christmas movie? Polar Polar Express. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Miracle on 34th Street. The old one or the newer one, which is still old? Okay. All right. Just curious. Yeah, Brandon's raising his hand. This has got to be important. Jack Frost. Does he nip your nose in that one? (laughs) No. No. Okay. Any final? say, I know most of your names, so I could just call, you, call on you and give you, like, Shane, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, Polar Express. James? <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Well, hey, I want to give you some personal updates in my life right now um, because it feels like I'm living a Christmas movie uh, right now in my life. And um, every good movie has its tragedy moments, right? But then every good movie has its redemptive moments, and it ends around a campfire or, you know, just whatever. It's super nice. And so you guys know that my world has been pretty crazy for the last three years. Um, You know, my wife was really, really sick, and uh, she passed. In in that process, for some reason, I said yes to being a lead pastor. (laughs) yeah there's wisdom for you right there, right and um, but it's a God thing, all that is a God thing, and I want you guys to hear that all of this is a god thing um and so yeah it was uh it was a difficult time in my life and um I'd shared that that I was at my lowest of my low in September, and I much like Marcy got on her knees in, before the cross, I couldn't even get on my knees. I was just so broken um with loss and with direction. And let me give you some assurance, Um, my calling hasn't changed. Just because I've experienced loss and I'm experiencing life, my calling hasn't changed. I'm not going anywhere. Um, Unless God says, you need to go somewhere. If he says, I'm going to go somewhere, I need to go somewhere. I need to follow him. But right now, he tells tells me that I need to be here and follow him and trust him. And so... On October 31st, which is a fantastic day, it's world-renowned day because it's Miranda's birthday, and then there's also another thing that happens where people, kids get candy, stuff like that. And I announced to you that I had met somebody, that I had prayed in my lowest of my low, that I, and I would prayed, God, would you really, really call me to be a lead pastor in a church by myself? And he answered me, and he said, you're not by yourself you have an incredible staff, you know, and I could name them Brandon, and we have Carrie, and we have, she's in the nursery, Annie, we have Krista, and we have Marcy, incredible staff. And I said, yeah, they're incredible, but it's not the same. And he says, I'm going to provide somebody for you, and um, you'll walk with her, and she'll walk with you. And so I told you that back then that he provided somebody for me, and um, it's been a Christmas movie ever since. It's been crazy cool. It went from weird. It went. What did you say? What did you say? Are you a friend, now? Oh, I could be. I could be. Um, <laughs> I'm not even looking. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I went, it went from this is weird in a good way to now it's crazy cool. That's what we use. And so you guys know I met Heather, and you guys, have. Uh, I told her I wouldn't have her stand up or come, to, come front, up front, but, and um, we have spent hundreds, literally hundreds of hours talking, uh, praying together, reading the, reading the Word together. We began to seek counsel from friends and family, especially our moms, and moms are tuning in right now. And moms were like, if you guys know that you know, then why would you wait? Why would you wait? And so we chewed on that for several weeks. And so I'm here to announce this morning that I'm getting married. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so, yeah. So it's one of those things where we just know that we know this is a God thing for us. And I just want to show, share with you that I'm really guilty of when I'm in the midst of a real God thing and God is doing something big in my life, I want to figure out, how are you doing this? What's going on behind the scenes? And I don't enjoy the moment of what God is doing. And so I, I just sit there and I try to figure out the details. And I've been reminded by many, will you just enjoy the moment? And trust God. I had somebody send me a text um, probably about two months ago, and they said, you know, Pastor Kevin, you always pray for us. You believe that God is good to us, that he's faithful, he's always with you. You preach that all the time. It's okay to believe that God is good to you, and that he's faithful to you. And so I believe that, and so we're actually getting married guys want to know the dates? Okay, everybody seat belted in? I'm just looking around. I want to make sure everybody's seat belted in. We're getting married Thursday. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's the whole, you know, we were like, well, let's just wait till January and, you know, get in the new, let's start off the new year right. And then, but we love Christmas so much. And Perk family is a Christmas family, let me just tell you. They absolutely love Christmas. And we floated the idea of waiting out to, to a, one of their daughters, and it looked like I punched her in the stomach when I said that. And so I was like, okay, well, man, we can move it up a little bit. So, So, Melissa, we moved it up. So... Yeah. So uh, her, her three daughters, she has four kids. Uh, Gabe is, lives in Bellingham, and so he's up in Bellingham hanging out. Um, but we, the three kids, the three daughters are here. Can I introduce you? You don't have to stand up. Okay. So we have Melissa, we have McKenna, and then we have Miranda. And we have the significant others. We have Shane, and we have Adam. You guys, I've talked about Adam before. Adam is the one that came up with the green bean casserole with the tater tots on top. Yeah. That's him right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. So, so I'm living a crazy movie, Christmas movie right now, and crazy good. And um, we're just trusting God with what he has for us and what he has for our church. And um, yeah, it's a commute. I sold my house. And... Um, been living in a hotel. Actually, to take that back, I guess it is a hotel. But it's the Buckley Hotel, so. And nothing wrong with Buckley, I like Buckley. But uh, it's a two-star, it's right up there. (laughs) And so um, (laughs) that's been fun. And, And so my commute is a little longer, but it's awesome because I get about 30, well, depends. All I have to say is just drive slow through Black Diamond, okay? No ticket yet, praise the Lord. Um, just set your cruise control at 36, well, 35 when you go through there. Um, seen multiple people pulled over there, including this morning. Um, and so all I, I just want to encourage us that God does meet us where we're at. And, um, you know, it's been a struggle for me personally since 1989 when... Um, when Cleo got sick and was disabled for, you know, we walked through that for 32 years. And, um, yeah. But God meets meets us where we're at. He provides for us. He gives us what we need when we need it. And um, he just knew this is what we both needed. So Heather is a widow of four years, and um, she's just been waiting on the Lord. And she just was like, okay, I give up. I'll just take him. So, you know, I mean, I mean that's <laughs> that's, and I was like, I'm in. That's good. Yeah, it's um, it is a trusting process, right? That we have to trust the Lord wherever we're at, what He's doing, and um, so some of you are in a good place, Marcy. Phenomenal job wrapping worship. Some of us are on that mountaintop, and it's important to, while we're there and we recognize that we have a view and we can see what God is doing and has been doing because we have that view all the way around, um, don't think you got to that mountaintop by yourself. It's the Lord that led you there. He's the one that guided you. He's the one that walked with you. Sometimes he's the one that pulled you up the mountain. But for those of us who are in the valley, and I've been in the valley a lot for a long time. He still offers help. In fact, in the valley is where the nourishment is. There's not much nourishment on the mountaintop. The view is incredible. But where you're going to feed your soul is in the valley. And so he provides for us in the valley. And so I just encourage you that um, there are some swells in life. And wherever you're at in that swell, I just want to encourage you that God is with you. And he sees you and he acknowledges you, he, he understands. I mean, that's the thing about Jesus. When we talk about Christmas, we wouldn't have Christmas without Jesus. That's probably the craziest statement you've heard of in a long time, but it's so, so true. We wouldn't have Christmas without Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus experienced everything that we experience and yet did it perfectly. Because I experienced a lot of things and I'm not even close to Perfectly. And so, as we look at the gospel, and we look at John, and we see what Jesus went through on our behalf. You know, for me, it really humbles me. Because as Jesus is going through what he's going through, the Bible says that he's thinking of us. That Jesus allowed himself, he allowed the the ones who were created to destroy the creator himself. Physically destroy him. And then also emotionally destroy him because they humiliated Jesus. And we'll see that as we open up the scriptures this morning. So Christmas is a miraculous time of the year, and it wouldn't be Christmas without a Savior. And we do have a Savior. Without him, we'd be lost and we'd be broken. We'd be far away from God. But with him, we're found. We're healed. We are hope-filled. Not hopeful, but we're hope-filled. And we're safe and secure with God. It's amazing. It's amazing. So it's important this Christmas when we see lights and we see presents, we see all this stuff going on. It's important that we remember why Jesus was born. Yes, Jesus was born in a manger. it's a very humble thing, um, a glorious thing, according to the angels. But Jesus was born to die for us. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, we have Bibles in the back. We'd love to grab a Bible for you and... And you can follow along. I purposely don't put them up on the screen for us because I, I like to force to actually open the Bible and see. This passage is probably made the most famous by a young man named Linus, um, because if you watch the peanut movies or cartoons at all, or have in the past, the Christmas special. This is the scripture that Linus gets up when Charlie Brown is struggling with Christmas. And what is Christmas all about? Linus gets up and recites this passage out of Luke chapter 2. And I just thought, you know, it is the Christmas season. As we are stepping into and walking in the Christmas season, I thought it would be important for us to be reminded of these verses, that if you grew up in the church, if you've been around for a little while, these verses you hear every single year in December. But what I pray as we read the words this morning, that it would be fresh again. That it would capture our hearts again. Page 880 in your Black Church Bible, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They didn't rejoice because they saw angels. They were actually terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. To you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. I studied the whole thing about peace this week because this word here. That the angels used peace to those whom his favor rests. That's the Greek version of shalom. Shalom is not just a hi and goodbye, but shalom is a completeness. So when you say shalom, you're saying there's a wholeness, and it is peace. And it's important that when we read this passage here, there has been 400 years of silence. From God That was about 10 seconds of silence, and it was a little awkward, right? Imagine 400 years of heaven with a seal on it. Imagine what humans what we would do without hearing from God for 400 years. Imagine it, and it happened. It was crazy. And that's when God chose to send his son. And this is the message that they came. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Because you have found favor. You know, a lot of us, we look at God and we think God is a God of judgment. And is he? Yes. But what does the Bible describe God as? The New Testament describes God as what? Love. Defines God as love. That's who he is. And because he loves us, yeah, he does bring judgment. He brings correction because of love. So the message from God after 400 years of absolute silence is peace on earth. I find favor in you, and you have a Savior now, and his name is Jesus. It wasn't a smooth, smooth sailing for, for Jesus, in fact, almost 800 years before Jesus was even born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about him. We're going to read a long passage towards the end. Um, and it's a rough passage to read. Because it wasn't going to be smooth sailing for Jesus. The creator of the earth that came, left heaven and came here, it didn't go smooth for him. He chose to leave heaven to come here and suffer for us. But the prophet Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of Wholeness, Wellness. Jesus chose to leave his place in heaven to come here to identify with us and to show us in person how much God cares I know sometimes when we're in that valley and we're in that low spot, it's hard for us to remember that God cares because we are on our knees in front of a cross and say, God, where are you? I also want to encourage you, if that's you this morning and you're just in that hard place, yes, pray and call out to God, but I would invite you to ask somebody that you love and trust to, to kneel down with you. And just to know that you're not alone. I think what's going on in our world right now is as, as much as we are, I was like reaching for my cell phone. I don't have my, ph- I don't have my phone, which is good. Um, have you ever felt that way? Like, oh, I just left my house, and I don't have my phone. I do this all the time. And I do a U-turn right in the middle of I-5. <laughs> and drive home again, because I can't be without my phone. It's actually glorious. Just leave your cell phone at home someday. Try it. Might cause a little anxiety. We can pray for you about that. Um, but I invite you to ask somebody to, to kneel with you and to walk with you through that time. And so you know that you're not alone. The social media and all that stuff, as connected as we're supposed to feel, I feel more disconnected Because we supplement that as like, oh, I am hanging out with my friends. No, you're not. Because you're only really showing them what you want them to see. But when we live life together, we... It's a Clint Eastwood movie. It's the good, bad, and the ugly. Right? Okay. I had to finish it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Some of you are trying to whistle. When's the last time you whistled? Is that you, Toby? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. You just have to watch it anyways. But living life with one another, yeah, there's, it is good. But there are some hard times that we walk through. But it's important that we walk through those hard times together. Just so we know we're not alone and we're not isolated and we're all by ourselves. You guys were so gracious with me and walked with me through the hardest time of my life. You know, when I lost my dad nine years ago, that was one of the hardest times of my life ever, and you guys were gracious and walked with me through that. It's important. It's really important. So Jesus grew up. Uh, He allowed himself to be vulnerable. It wasn't smooth sailing for him. The Bible describes Jesus as a man of sorrows. He was broken for us. We're going to be in John 18 this morning, so I'd encourage you to mosey on over to that passage since we're doing Westerns this morning. To me, this is one of the more um, profound statements in the whole Bible, and it's made by a non-believer. It's made by a politician. It's made by a Roman politician. Um, when, it, when they discuss truth. Jesus discusses truth with Pilate. And we'll get into that. The Jewish leaders had brought Jesus, they they couldn't accuse him of really anything, um, to the Romans according to their law. And we'll see it as we read this passage that they had brought Jesus to the Romans because they didn't have the authority to kill Jesus. And so they they, they basically said, Jesus is an enemy of the state. Jesus is an enemy of Rome. You need to do something about this man. But the reason why they really brought him is because Jesus was a threat to them. Because Jesus was blowing up their world. Jesus was introducing God, the Father, to them. Yeah, did Jesus turn over a couple tables in the temple? Yeah, he never did anything against Rome but he did it against the the church of the day and said, you guys need to get on it. You guys are so far off. You're you're ripping people off. You're making God a commodity and he's not that. He is the God of the universe. We need to worship him. We need to adore him. We need to surrender to him. We need to walk with him. We need to listen to him. And so Jesus has this conversation with Pilate and it changes Pilate's life. If we read the other Gospels, there's different accounts. At one point, there's even, his wife has a dream and says, you need to let this guy go. But because of peer pressure, Pilate will see, finally just says, okay, we'll crucify him. This is a long passage. It's in John chapter 18. And we're going to pick it up in verse 28. And we're going to go all, about halfway through chapter 19. It's a long passage, but, and I'm guilty of this, when I read the Bible, sometimes I'll just pick my favorites, I'll pick my spots, and I don't always read it in context, and so the reason why I want to read this whole passage to us this morning is because this is the time that, so Jesus was with Pilate, this is the whole conversation, this is what's going on. I just don't want to pluck and pull different things. I want you to kind of capture the whole scene of what is happening here. So verse 28, this is after they had the false trial before the the Sanhedrin and the high priest and the the former high priest. Meanwhile, Peter is denying Jesus and denying him three times. And somehow the Bible says that during the third denial that Jesus made eye contact with Peter and just the sorrow in both men, the heartache, also, the compassion. I believe that Jesus looked at Peter with compassion at the same time. So some of you pointed that out last week. It was good. So it's right after that. It says, then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning, so they had this, they had this thing happen all night long, this mock trial, which was illegal, by the way, according to Jewish law, but they did it anyways. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness... They did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. You know, the church is accused of hypocrisy all the time, right? Do you hear that? I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites, full of actors. That's what the word hypocrite means. It's just full of people who are acting. And that's what these guys are just acting. They wanted their own agenda to happen, and so they said they're going to tweak it and make it work for them, and so that's what they were doing. So they stayed outside, and they let, they let Jesus go in. So Pilate, in verse 29, came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. Remember early in John, Jesus said that, unless the Son of Man is lifted up. And so Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified. Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your idea, Jesus asked, or did you or did others talk to you about me? (laughs) "'Am I a Jew?' Pilate replied. "'Your own people, chief priests, have handed you over to me. "'What is it you have done?' "'And Jesus said, "'My kingdom is not of this world. "'If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest "'from the Jewish leaders. "'But now my kingdom is from another place.' "'You are a king then,' said Pilate. "'And Jesus answered, "'You say that I am a king. "'In fact, the reason why I was born And came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews and gathered them and said, I find no basis for charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had been taken part in an uprising. And then chapter 19, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Can I just stop there for a second? Because if we just read that and just walk right on by that, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and then the shoulders, sh- soldiers twisted the crown of thorns, you know. You guys know what happened there. Some of you know. Some of you guys have seen the Passion of the Christ. Have you, anybody seen it? I use this word a lot lately, but I want to use it again. It's brutal. Because what happens is, as, as we read the Bible, this is what we read. So Pilate had Jesus flogged, and then they would just move right on. Jesus was beaten th- at least 39 times, and not just like a wooden spoon. <laughs> Anybody get the wooden spoon? Don't raise your hand. Oh. <laughs> too late. Okay. Um, They would take like a bullwhip type thing and they would tie glass and they would tie bone and they would tie um, pottery and it would have like about four or five whips on it. And they would tie the person to a post in the middle and and have them stand up and they would start. It's, It's it's brutal because those pieces, those bone and the glass and the jar, would actually hit you and stick to you. And then they're going to pull it out. I got a sliver this week; it hurt. It was illegal to, in the Jewish law, to to beat somebody forty times. And so, what do they do? Thirty-nine. And that was considered, considered merciful. Most people who were flogged the way Jesus was flogged would die. Your body just goes into severe trauma and shock. You're bleeding everywhere. Because they're not just hitting you on the back. That's wrapping around you and, and ripping out places from all over your face. And we'll see it as we read the passage. They, Pilate brings Jesus out after he'd been beaten like this. They don't even recognize him. So when we read this, and it says, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, it just wasn't, we're going to smack you around a little bit and move on. Most people died during this time. the The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they clothed him with a purple robe, and they went up to him again and again, saying, Hey, old king of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. Okay, not only do they beat him 39 times, now they're, like, punching him and hitting him in the face. And they're mocking him. So that's the emotional trauma that Jesus was willing to go through on our behalf. And once Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answers, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis of charge against him. And at this point, I'm thinking, all right, Pilate, you're, you're, this is good. But he does cave. And the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. So there's the truth. Jesus isn't a, a, he's not an enemy of Rome. He's threatening us. Because he's saying he's the son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace where, where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Do you realize the power I have to either free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, no one has handed you over to me. Therefore, the one who has handed you over to me is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Oh, now they're appealing to his politicianists. Man, if you let him go, we're going to tell on you, and you'll be no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. This is the Jews saying this. Verse 13, and when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at the place known as the stone pavement which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was day, it was the day of preparation of Passover, and it was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away. Crucify him, shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Wow. So finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Merry Christmas, right? But when we say Merry Christmas, this is what we mean. Because we have a Savior who is willing to do whatever it took for us. We have a Savior who is willing to do whatever it took to save us, to rescue us, to have us to be hope-filled because he went through hopelessness. When we talk about Pilate's response... It's one a lot of us give today. Truth. What is truth? Because today, and it's been going on for a long time, actually, the whole thing about truth is truth is relative. That's what the world says right now. Truth is relative. What is true for you doesn't have to be true for me. And what's true for me, yeah, it's not true to you. And so what happens with that? Nobody knows how to find the truth. Where is the truth? If you can do whatever you want to do and I can do whatever I want to do, where's the truth in that? And Jesus is saying, I am the truth. You need to follow the things I've been saying. Jesus made the statement, I am the way. Thank you, Brandon, for singing that song. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we want to have peace with God, if we want that shalom, peace in our lives, we have to go through Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's a bold statement by Jesus. I mean, a lot of times we think of Jesus as, oh, he was this really nice kind of teddy bear of a guy who never said anything mean. He was always nice. Jesus said some really bold statements. At one point, Jesus said, I didn't come here to make everything just perfect. I came and I brought a sword. And I will divide. It will... People who follow me, it will divide families is what Jesus was saying. It will divide. And does it? Yeah. Does it really happen here much? Not really. But I tell you what, if you're in a Muslim world and you give your life to Jesus, you're cut off. Sword. In fact, sometimes they'll beat you. Sometimes they, they, they will kill you for giving your life to Jesus. That's what Jesus was talking about. Jesus made some bold statements. Yes, he came as a baby in the manger, and we celebrate that, and we should celebrate it, because the God of heaven came, and we call him Emmanuel because he is with us. He continues to be with us. But he did grow up, and he surrendered his life on our behalf so that we would have life. That's the truth. The truth is we need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. It's interesting as we read this passage that Pilate's convinced. Pilate realized this man is innocent, but he caves. How often do we cave? We're convinced. We know. We're walking with Jesus. We know that he is the the way. A little pressure comes in and we cave, at least for the moment. When we read this passage, And As we go forward and we read these passages, it's important to know that Jesus did this for us, and that's why he came. He came that we'd have life, and not just life where we'd barely make it, but life that would be abundant is what he says, abundant life, and not just there, but abundant life here. Not that all our wallets are going to be full. That's not the abundant life, but the abundant life here in our hearts, that we have him, that we do have that peace, that shalom peace, in each one of us as followers of Him. The conversation that Pilate had totally changed Pilate's life. We don't know. We don't. We don't hear about Pilate after this at all. So we don't know what happens. Maybe Dana Buck needs to write a story about Pilate. Okay. Let's see what happens. I quoted Isaiah nine six to you earlier, where it says that he'll be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Later on in the book of Isaiah, he writes this really long chapter, and it is a prophecy about Jesus. And it's one we probably heard before, but I'm going to take uh, a moment. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible this morning. This is written 800 years before Jesus was even born and this just describes what Jesus was willing to go through on our behalf. So I just encourage you. I don't know how, how you kind of chill. If you chill by this, like for me, sometimes I just need to close my eyes and focus because I'm looking all over the place at the squirrels. I don't just have one squirrel in my life. I got squirrels all over, right? Um, so sometimes I just need to close my eyes and focus, however you want to do that for yourself. This is a very descriptive passage about our Savior Jesus and what he was willing to do on our behalf. It says, The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant, in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, a man who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is it was our pains that he carried it was our disfigurements all the things wrong with us we thought he brought it on himself that god was punishing him for his failures but it was our own sins that he did that did that to him that ripped and tore and crushed him it was our sin he took the punishment and made us whole Through the bruises that he took, we get healed. By the way, that's the passage that says, by his stripes, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. He was beaten and he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered. Like a sheep being sheared, he took it on in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own people's welfare, beaten bloody for our sins, for the sins of God's people. They buried him with the wicked and threw him into a grave with a rich man even though he had never heard a soul or said one word that was not true. Still, it was God who had in mind all along to crush him with pain. This plan was to give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see the life to come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him Out of this terrible travail of soul, he'll see the worth, and he'll be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, God says, he'll make many righteous ones, as he himself carries the burdens of our sins. Therefore, I will reward him extravagantly, I love that word, the best of everything with highest honors, because he looked at death in the face And did not flinch. Capture that? Jesus was willing to go through all of this for you, and he didn't even flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest, he took on his own shoulders the sin of of many, and he took up the cause for all of the black sheep. I love that passage. So, the truth, the truth of Christmas is we need a Savior. The message of Christmas is we have a Savior, and that's Jesus. So I'm not sure where you're at today. You know, maybe some of us, we've been listening to the wrong truth. Maybe we've kind of gone with the whole truth is relative. I'm just going to do my own truth, whatever's true to me. Well, the problem with this is when I live that way, I can push my truth wherever I want. Truth is like a wheelbarrow. I can just push it wherever I want. There's got to be a place where I can go where it's solid, There's that old song that says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is what? It's sinking sand. Does that feel like the world we live in right now? That we live in a world of sinking sand? So then where do we stand? We stand on the solid rock of Jesus. Maybe some of us need to have a conversation with Jesus kind of like Pilate did and allow that conversation to change your life have an honest, real conversation with Him. Christmas is a miraculous time of year, and today I just want to encourage you that Jesus is still the same. He still is Emmanuel. He still is God with us. He still is mighty God. He still is everlasting Father. He still is that counselor that nobody else could even come close to. And He still is our Prince of Peace. I want us to pray this morning before we, we go home. Lord, I I pray that we would see you as mighty God. God, I would pray that for every single one of us to experience you as everlasting Father, one who loves us, who cares for us, and cares so much that you guide and correct. That we would see you as Wonderful counselor. When we feel lost, when we feel broken, when we feel confused that we can come to you and you give us wise counsel. And you, a lot of times you just listen to us. You listen to us. And God, for this time of year, specifically Jesus, that you are the Prince of Peace. God, the one who brings wholeness, the one who makes us complete in our comings and goings, you are the Prince of Peace. And Lord, I pray for anybody in this place right now who who feels unsettled, where anxiety has risen to the top, where depression has taken over. Jesus, that you would rush in right now and you'd be the Prince of Peace. And if that's you this morning, if you're at home watching, man, just ask him to be your Prince of Peace. And sit in silence for a moment and allow him to minister to you. If you're in the house this morning, and that's you it resonates, like it's echoing in you right now, that I need this peace. It's okay to ask. Jesus said we can be persistent or we can ask what we need. And God is faithful. He'll meet us exactly where we're at. Hmm. Just thinking of this song in the background, it's, it's the song, Good, Good Father. Because our God is Good. And we are loved by him. And so Lord, we give you praise for being a good father, for watching over us, for speaking to us, for listening to us, for guiding us and, and teaching us. God, I pray for our week this week. Lord, I pray that we would walk in a newness with you. God, I pray that we would walk in truth with you that we wouldn't be like the Pharisees here and just say and do what we think we're supposed to say and do and then live our lives separately. But God, our lives would line up with what you're doing. We'd be consistent with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, blessings to you all. I won't be here next week. Ashley's leading worship, going to do a phenomenal job. Jason. Always does a phenomenal job. We'll be be leading and teaching. Um, God bless you.